Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. You can open your Bible to Psalm 118. I don't know, I still don't know, how many of you actually read the articles I write for the newsletter, but I did, uh, last month's newsletter was actually about a passage in Psalm 118, and I mentioned in there that it's worth a sermon or two, ha <laughs> ha, just put that anywhere, Alex, uh, that, that, and so we're going to preach one tonight, and if we don't get through it, we'll preach another one next week. Uh, but let's just dive right in. It's not a long psalm, so we will read the whole thing. We're not going to read through it all at once. We'll just go through it in pieces. But it starts this way. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, that's, the, that's every other line here for just a little bit, but it's not that one. Uh, I think it's Psalm 136, where that's every other line in the whole psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. And that first verse where it says, give thanks to the Lord. Uh, I think it's important, and I preach that. I don't know when the last time I shared it here. I shared it at the community Thanksgiving service uh, a couple years ago, that There's a difference between just being thankful and giving thanks. In fact, there's a difference between being thankful and just being happy. I've used gratitude as as, uh, the sense of gratitude, that we owe thanks uh, in in circumstances where uh, you've survived something, you have endured something, you've been blessed with something. We're not just happy, we're thankful. And this desire to bestow thanks is, is evidence, I think, of this inherent knowledge that there is a God. That people know you, you, you're thankful. You know, atheists feel thankful. Well, who are they? Well, oh, just thankful in general. Well, you want to thank somebody, but it's not just being thankful. It's the command here. The psalmist is encouraging us, exhorting us to give thanks. It's great to go around with a thankful feeling in your heart, but give thanks to God, right? And then it says, Israel. Let Israel now say, Israel is. Uh, you know, the New Testament application is that's us, the Israel of God, God's people. Next is uh, let the whole house, let the house of Aaron, that was the priesthood or the ministry. Who is that in the New Testament? That's us, right? The priesthood of believers. Really, that's all of us. But there is perhaps a, a special encouragement here for occupational ministers to remember that it is always the mercy of God. Uh, it's not our office that makes us right in God's eyes, that makes him worthy of praise, that above all and, and, and undergirding everything else, ministers and everybody need to be thankful for the mercy of God. And this is, you know, give thanks. There's a, there's a thousand things we can thank him for. But the psalmist here is saying, let all Israel now say, uh, uh, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Get, let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the whole house of, let the house of Aaron say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. And again, that's all of us, but I think that's also those who have encountered him, who have some way been made to know he's real. I was having a conversation with a guy. I've met him just a few times. 
uh, and uh, had the opportunity to speak with him for a few minutes again the other day. I don't think, uh, you know, I asked him uh, if he was a believer. First time I've, I've asked him that, and he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm still not sure we're speaking the same language. You know, you can ask somebody that, and they'll say, yeah. You can, might even ask if they're a Christian, and they'll say, yeah. But, you know, you've got a definition of Christianity, and you're not sure it's the same one. Uh, but he began to share a little bit about his life and how he'd made some really bad decisions and been in trouble, been in even legal trouble because of some stupid things he did. But he shared with me specifically about a terrible motorcycle wreck that he was in that left him uh, paralyzed on uh, one arm paralyzed. And they told him they wanted to amputate his arm and they didn't. They ended up uh, cutting him open and, and doing, stretching a nerve out or something. But he's, he's healthy now. And he said, I just know that, you know, God preserved my life. And that's an interesting thing to say. And, if, and I, I invited him to church. Expect to see him sometime soon. I actually, I really do. That's not just faith talking. Uh, but he doesn't go anywhere right now. And I'm thinking, well, if, you, if God really brought you back from the brink of death, healed you from paralysis, why haven't you found a church? This is what I'm thinking. I didn't say this, but you know. Uh, but let all those who fear the Lord. I think he had a moment there, or at least a or maybe even a season where he feared the Lord. He was probably crying out in desperation. Let him say, and that's what every one of these things, I bring this back to this point. Let Israel, let the house of Aaron, let all those who fear the Lord say, his mercy endures forever. Kind of like back in verse 1 where it says, don't just be thankful, give thanks. Don't just know about God, don't just know about his mercy, say Speak it forth. Make it part of what you, when, what you pray. Acknowledge this on a regular basis. His mercy endures forever. Speak it. Say it. In verse 5 then it says, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. I'm going to kind of race through some of these because there's a couple I want to spend some time on. But in verse 5 there, I love that he didn't just rescue him from his immediate circumstances, these distressing circumstances, but that he set him in a broad place. He put him, and this is probably, by the way, we, this is one of those psalms where we can't say for sure who authored it, uh, but it's probably David. There's so much in here that is, for one thing, there's a lot of messianic prophecy. Uh, for another thing, a lot of these things are best explained uh, by seeing this as probably... I would say more than likely, but it's just not a sure thing. This is at David's coronation. You know, David was anointed king years before he was installed as king, right? And so this would be uh, very, this, is, this makes an awful lot of sense if you see David sitting on the throne in Jerusalem acknowledging these things and everything God has done. So here's David who a matter of months and certainly years ago was living in the wilderness with a band of 400 guys. Uh, you know, doing raids and, and, and just kind of, uh, you know, kind of biding his time and yet still honoring the king, fighting his own little wars out there. And now, uh, and, and he was in some distressing situations. And, and some of that distress was coming from the king who he was trying to honor, King Saul. I cried out to the Lord in my distress. He answered me. Not only did he rescue me from my distress, look where he brought me. I'm in the palace now. I'm the king. He set me in a broad place. God answers our prayers abundantly. His mercy endures forever, and it is a generous mercy. In verse uh, 6, 
The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And not just a man, but mankind, of course. Kind of sounds a lot like Romans 8.31, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? In verse 7, the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. And again, easy to picture David writing this. He had 400 men who were with him even in those distressing times. And we know some of those guys, uh, they, they came to be known, not all of them, of course, but there were, there were David's mighty men. There were 30 who were really great heroes in, uh, as far as the battlefield goes. But not all 400 were. Uh, by and large, what he had were a bunch of disenfranchised, disgruntled citizens of the kingdom who were mad at Saul or mad at life or whatever, and they threw their lot in with David. He was a charismatic guy. Uh, I believe God brought them together, but I don't picture them all as heroic, super spiritual, but they just happened to be with David. I would like to see a biographical sketch on all 400 of these guys sometime. You know, and, and some of it would probably... Well, the reason, you know, we, we do. We see these brief little, here's, here's this guy. This guy did this. This guy did that. And there's 30 or so guys who are listed. What about the other 370? You know, maybe they didn't do much. Maybe there wasn't much to them. They just happened to be part of the group. It probably didn't look like much compared to Saul's army or compared to the Philistine army or, or the Amalekites or any of these others. But it didn't matter. You say, oh, wow, what a, what a ragtag group. Uh, there's this guy, there's this guy, but among them is God. God is for me among those who are for me, right? The Lord is on my side. The Lord is for me among those who help me. In other words, my strength isn't in these 400. I believe they're a gift from God, but among that 400, that's me, it's my 400 men, and oh yeah, God, he's on my side. It is better, verse 8, to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And we could say again, mankind, or we could say any single man. Some people might really grab your attention, uh, and you might uh, lean on them because of their talent or their attitude, but ultimately your trust has to be in God, right? And that's when we go back to the circumstances we talked about during praise and worship. You know, your, your confidence and your trust and your faith cannot be in the doctor. Can God use them? Absolutely. Can God use people of financial means to help you in a financial situation? Yes. That can't be where your trust is. Always see God as your source and everybody else as an instrument. Okay? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And a prince here represents two different things. A prince is somebody who has power, who has the authority to do something for you. But it also represents government. I think that might be a better application for us today. We don't want to put our trust in the government. And that's something that, uh, well, you can see it. when, when uh, I've seen it cycle after cycle. You know, when we've got a president that we disagree with, it's like, well, thank God. You know, God's still on the throne. And then when we get a president that we agree with, finally God's man's in the White House. And, and that's how God's going to take care of everything. We'll put our trust in whoever. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, is it? Whether you like the president or dislike the president, whether you voted for him or support him, that's not what it is. We don't put our trust in any president, any governor, any senator, representative, or mayor. Okay? All nations surrounded me. 
This was, by the way, 10 through 14, which I'm reading next. This was the part that my article was about. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Now that last line there, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation, that's, he's quoting Exodus 15.2. This was the song that Moses sang after Pharaoh's army was drowned in the Red Sea. And this is a line from that song. And when he says, what, what kind of grabbed me, and the thing that I wrote the article about was he talks about my enemies surrounded me, but I will destroy them. Yes, they surrounded me, but I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees, but they were quenched like a fire of thorns. Thorns burned very quickly, very hot, but they burned up, and then they were gone. Then they were ashes. Right? For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Why didn't he say, but the Lord will protect me, and the Lord will destroy them? They surrounded me, but the Lord will deliver me. They surrounded me, but the Lord did this. They did this, but I will destroy them in the name of the Lord. And this is not David or whoever taking credit for this. Obviously, it's in the name of the Lord. But I think the key to unlocking that is verse 14 where it says, The Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. Follow me with this. When I am walking in manifested strength, you know, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my joy, right? And I say, I mean, the Lord is my strength in song. I think a song there is representative of joy. And I can be joyful and I can be strong. And in those moments when life is smooth and it's sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, and I'm feeling strong and I got a song in my heart, sometimes it is easy to forget how badly I need God. All right? Not, it's not a matter of salvation anymore. I know that. But once we're saved, I think it's easy to forget, especially when times are good, when I'm not fighting any particular battle in my life. It's easy to forget that I need him every day and every hour. Right? But here the psalmist is saying, any strength that I have is from the Lord. The Lord is my strength. Any joy, any song that I have is from the Lord. But it's still my strength and it's still my song. He gave those things to me. The Lord is those things. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song and he has become my salvation. It's not talking about salvation at the cross. It's talking about, I say, salvation with a little s. Deliverance from the circumstances. My enemies surrounded me. But because he has become my salvation, just as I have strength and I have a song, I will destroy them. It's the Lord's strength, the Lord's song, and the Lord's salvation. But I'm the one who's strong, I am the one who sings, and I'm the one who will destroy my enemies. In the power of the Lord. He has given us the word of faith to do that. Every time I read, the, I'll say every time I read, the more I read Old Testament and New 
the more frustrated I get with what I call the hyper-Calvinist mentality, which is the, the Lord is in charge of everything. It might look bad to you, but God brought it into your life for a reason. Even the most horrible thing you can imagine, and it just doesn't line up with Scripture. And I think the drag of it is, it, encourage, it encourages people, number one, to accept things that they're supposed to fight against. It encourages laziness because, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. It encourages laziness with our confession, with our work for the kingdom. It, laziness with evangelism. If, I, if God's going to save, who God's going to save? What's the point of missions? What's the point of giving to missions, going on missions? What's the point of preaching the gospel? All right? So, but here these, and this is it. It's not David saying, well, the Lord is strong and the Lord has a song and the Lord is going to save me. The Lord is my strength, my song, and my salvation. So again, I will do these things because everything I have is from the Lord. He's given me authority and the power. Everything we just sang about, blessed, filled, healed, called, whole. Why? So that we can do everything he's called us to do. But we still have to do it. But we don't have to worry about whether it's going to work because it's God doing the work through us. All right. Beat that to death. I think we've established that point. Let's go on to uh, verse 15. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Again, here's voice. All right? I see, you see this again. We, we got say, voice. Uh, well, and here, uh, the, let me skip down. Let me do verse 16 here because I'll tie these things together. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The word exalted there, uh, in, especially in this particular uh, passage, means we, we say exalted, we mean lifted up, right? And in this sense, it's recognized, celebrated openly. The, it's not God exalting himself, it's us exalting the right hand of God, meaning exactly this, that we are giving credit where credit is due. We point and we say, God did this thing. It is his power. It is God's power, God's right arm that has done this thing. He has done valiant, valiantly, and we exalt him. With what? With our voice. And the exaltation there is part of us saying these things. And so we see this all the way through there. Let them give thanks. Say um, the voice exalted uh, and declare. These, this is the message that's woven all through here. It's not just recognizing. He isn't just writing. He's writing about saying and praising. In uh, verse 17... Is that where we're at? I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. When he's talking about I shall not die, but live, we know, I think we know, that he's not saying that his body in that current state in this world is immortal. Doesn't mean he'll never die. He's talking about again, I'm not going to die from these circumstances. I'm not going to die because my enemies have surrounded me. He's delivered me from that. I'm going to survive this, and I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. I'm not going to die because of the distress caused by my enemies. We are not going to die because of the distress the enemy brings into our life. We're going to die sometime unless Jesus comes back first. But it needs to be on God's terms and our terms when we're okay with it, when, we are, when we've run our race and, we've, and we're satisfied. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
And then in verse 18, the Lord has chastened me severely, but he's not given me over to death. It's, again, it's not that God doesn't discipline, but he doesn't give us over to death. This is not him. If it's threatening, if it's scary, if it's the horror of death that faces you, that's not the Lord's discipline. And the devil will try to convince you that it is. And this is kind of a counter to that. Uh, yeah, the Lord has chastened me, but not like this. The enemies coming in here are not the chastening of the Lord. David knew it wasn't in his life. Now, can we give ourselves over to death? Yeah, we can. We can make choices that lead to death. Uh, and this goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Just look at this really quickly. I'll probably just read it off there. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. This was in Moses' final sermon uh, to the people of Israel before they crossed into the land of promise. Let's, uh, ooh, yeah, let's read on. Open to me the gates of righteousness, verse 19. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. We are qualified by righteousness to enter into the tabernacle, to the temple, into his presence. And it's, it's a bold statement to say, I will enter. The gates of righteousness, I'll go through them. Why? Because I've been made righteous. This is a prophetic statement there, especially in verse 20 when it says, This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. The Lord himself is the gate. Uh, we, we were reading through John for a while there, and one of the things he says here, says uh, within a couple chapters of where we stopped, is he, he starts talking about that. I am the gate. I am the door. And, and so he is the way we get into the presence of God. And then we come up to a very clearly prophetic passage, beginning in verse 21. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Heard that before? I mean, other than this psalm. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Again, clearly prophetic passage. That line about the cornerstone is quoted five times in the New Testament. And David, I believe, has Israel and himself in mind. Meaning, there were, from the time of his anointing, there were those who rejected him as king. There were those who didn't embrace him, particularly the king, Saul. Uh, but, there, but God still established him. Israel, as a nation, was rejected by the nations surrounding her, and yet God established Israel. But the main thrust of this passage is prophetic, speaking about Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Uh, and again, he's acknowledging the Lord. Even if he's talking about himself, he's giving glory to God. This is the day, this day, his coronation day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. Verse 25 and 26, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. This, uh, save now, by the way, guess what, uh, guess what that is in Hebrew? Hosanna. This passage is what the people were shouting when Jesus made the triumphal entry a week before his death. As he, as he goes into Israel riding on the colt of a donkey, the people were shouting this verse, save now. They left out the, at least it's not recorded in the New Testament, the send now prosperity part. But save now, I pray, O Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This, this, these two verses, uh, it seems to be 
these two verses would be what the crowds on David's coronation day would be crying out. Them officially accepting him and celebrating him as the king of all Israel. And 26b, the second half there, we have blessed you from the house of the Lord, is probably the priesthood blessing his anointing as king. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. And then in verse, so all this, so we've got this celebratory atmosphere. Starts off with all this, let all Israel give thanks. House of Aaron give thanks. Everyone who fears the Lord give thanks. Here's what everything God has done for me. He set me in a broad place. When I just prayed for, for relief from my distressing circumstances, he didn't just get me out of that. He sets me in a broad place. Look at where I am. My enemies surrounded me, but I'll destroy them. He's my strength, my song, my salvation. Open up the gates of righteousness. I will enter in. God has established me. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the day the Lord has made. Send prosperity, they say. We welcome you. We, uh, the, from the house of the God, the house of God, we bless you. And then the very next thing, God is the, sorry, uh, yes, God is the Lord, verse 27, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Right there in the middle of all this, is this super important reminder that there is no righteousness without dealing with sin. And there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. So right in the middle of this celebratory psalm is a sacrifice. Bind the sacrifice to the altar and let's remember that the righteousness that we enjoy, that everything we enjoy is because God sees us as righteous, but that he can only see us as righteous because of the shed blood of the sacrifice. And in our case, that's Jesus. Wrapping it up, and praise and worship team, you can be coming up here. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And uh, the word praise and exalt, I know there's some overlap there, and I don't want to overdo the difference, but when I, I think, when I read this here, what I see is, you are my God, and I will praise you. I'm going to sing to you things you already know about yourself, but we did a series on praise and worship, and we know why we do that. We sing to be a blessing to God. We sing together to remind ourselves of what a blessing God has been to us. To stir ourselves up, but really to touch the heart of God. You have been good, God, and I am going to sing to you. I'm going to praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. And I see the exaltation as more saying those things that we say to God about God. That when people see our victory our joy, our provision, our, I'm not just provision, our prosperity, our health, our divine healing, that we don't just live it. Yes, absolutely live it. I've shared this before, you know, used to be kind of fond of the saying, uh, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Uh, that's, that's kind of a wussy way of looking at the Great Commission. It needs, you need to say this, preach the gospel at all times, and since it's necessary, use words. When people see what we want them to see, the changed life, the blessing, the victory, we need to exalt God. 
even if they don't say anything to us first, it's, man, I'm so thankful to God for everything he has done in my life. Maybe I don't look like much to you, but let me tell you about the difference he has made in my life, rather than let me tell you how I pulled myself up from, uh, by my bootstraps. Let me tell you how I got out of the mess I was in. You can just keep your mouth shut about that. Even if you feel like you did work hard, you have to understand that God is the one who rescued you. And as, we, as believers, we all know that, right? Right? Uh, he's been good to us, so let's exalt him for that. And we don't just do, yeah, and it's okay to say, you know, when we say, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, or we exalt thee, that's fine. But I see that as more as a confession. Our praise and our worship is in here. Our exaltation of God is out there. It's part of our preaching the gospel. We are making him look good. We are talking good about him, lifting him up. Amen? Stand up with me. You know, last week we talked about uh, Mark eleven twenty three and 24. We talked about faith, right? And uh, that key phrase in there that uh, believe you receive when you pray and you'll have them. Believe you receive when you pray. And so I think uh, as we continue to pray for this church to be full, for our, uh, our influence to be enlarged in this community, God's influence through Living Word Family Church, uh, I think I just want to spend just a couple minutes tonight, a minute even, thanking him for just how good he has been to us. And in the midst of this, thank him for how good he's been to you individually, but I'm thinking corporately now how good he's been to us as a, as a local body of believers. And we see how good he's been to us and how the stage is set for further manifestations of his goodness in our lives. He really is our strength, our song, and our salvation. Because he is all those things, we will do great and mighty things if we stay faithful to him, faithful to one another. But let's spend a few minutes praying. Uh, and then, and I'm just going to weave this into the prayer. If you, if, you need, uh, if you need to give your heart to Christ, and I'm looking around here, I think I see a room full of believers. But if you need to become a Christian tonight, be part of this body of believers. As soon as I'm done praying and we start singing, come up here and let me pray with you. If you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you're wondering, man, all this stuff, I just, I wish I had that kind of energetic outlook on Christianity. I wish I had the desire to do those things. Uh, at least ask yourself, or answer the question, have I been baptized in the Holy Spirit since I believed? Uh, because you're not going to be, you, you, Jesus said, that's when you receive the power to be my witnesses, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to get saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Come up here as soon as I'm done praying this prayer and I'll pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness to us. Thank you for how you have manifested that goodness over the years in this body. Thank you for blessing and loving and using and empowering Living Word Family Church. And I thank you for every single person who has been a part of our history, who has been a part of this body, who has contributed to this facility, to the growth of this place, who has invited anybody. I thank you, Lord, for everybody uh, who is a member, who is a part of this body. But most of all, Lord God, we thank you. Your mercy does endure forever. Let us never forget that at the root of everything, that because ultimately because of your mercy, we have a right to call on you. In your mercy, you gave your son and his blood was shed 
to wash us from our sin and make us righteous so that we stand before you clean, that we can come boldly into your presence and ask you for the things you have laid on our heart and we believe we have received them. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for healing. Thank you for provision. Thank you for filling us, for calling us, for redeeming us and positioning us in this community at this time to exalt your name among the nations. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your plans. Open our eyes and fill our hearts with the determination to fulfill your dream for Living Word Family Church. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody that needs to come to know you tonight, needs to make that salvation confession, or needs to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you would move on them uh, and grant them the will, the courage, the determination to come and receive everything that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.